and welcome to the HODLcast. Today is September 30th and we're going to be looking at the case of the CFTC versus the OKDAO. Please take a moment to like this video and subscribe to my YouTube page so you don't miss out on any future content. So what happened here was we have an unprecedented case, basically. The CFTC filed a complaint against the OKDAO protocol and called it an unincorporated association and they uh, sued the founders, Tom Bean and Kyle Kisner, and fined them $250,000 for failing to register with the commission. Notably, there were no allegations of fraud in this protocol. On October 23, 2021, there was a B0X LLC that basically decentralized into the community and became the OKDAO. They transferred control of the BZX protocol. It was first called the BZX DAO, and then they changed the name to the OKDAO, but the protocol allowed for non-custodial KYC-less peer-to-peer smart contract system that allowed for leverage and margin trading. The protocol was governed by voting token, and when the founders transferred the ownership to the community, they kind of poked the bear. They made a few comments that this DAO is now enforcement proof. They really promoted the fact that it was KYC-less. You know, the SEC didn't really like that. The way the service happened, usually if it's an entity, they're required to be registered and have a registered agent that can receive process service for, for lawsuits. But in the case of an unincorporated association, the CFTC didn't know who to serve, so they actually just went on the Telegram chat and posted a message. <laughs> Surprisingly, no one responded that they wanted um, you know, to take ownership or responsibility of the DAO to the CFTC, despite 112 people having read the message. So then the CFTC took the bold step of serving the lawsuit in a chat, um, which, you know, normally you need a process server to drop the lawsuit off in person, you know, every movie you see where it's someone, you know, going and surprising someone with a lawsuit, that's normally a, a firm requirement to get served. And uh, here, the CFTC actually filed a motion for alternative service asking the Northern District of California judge to bypass the service laws altogether. And the quote they said in the, the alternative service motion was that by choosing to organize itself as a DAO, the Uki DAO structure structured its business in a way that erected significant obstacles to traditional service of process. No shit. <laughs> but anyway, apparently no DAO members have responded yet, but they are considering their options. So this is a non-custodial protocol. While the LLC, prior to transferring over to the DAO model, they did collect fees. They collected 50000 in fees from the users prior to the conversion of the DAO, and then the DAO continued to collect fees. 500,000 were origination fees, trading fees, and a percentage of interest that was paid to lenders. And prior to the conversion, the LLC kept the administration keys, which meant they did have access and control over the funds held in the smart contract, and they could pause or suspend withdrawals of assets and redemptions of the tokens. But once they turned the LLC into the DAO, um, all those administrative keys and the fees that were generated, they all went through 
through the community, through a voting process, and it wasn't in control of the same people. So the CFTC used questionable legal basis for this lawsuit. They concluded in the complaint that one, the OK tokens were commodities, which is a stretch. Two, that they needed to be traded only on registered commodities exchanges. And three, that the OK DAO was an unregistered futures commission merchant, an FCM. Each of these definitions is a real stretch because the OK coins are not commodities because they don't settle 28 days in the future. The definition of a commodity, and I thought about reading it all, you know, straight to you, but it's pretty boring. It's things like corn and wheat and soy. It names everything that is an actual commodity and it doesn't name the OK tokens. And then anything else that's not named has to settle 28 days in the future for it to be considered within that definition. Slows my mind that these are just being considered commodities based on the fact they don't settle in the future, but say they are commodities. Two, in order for this complaint to merit, they need to also be traded. They need to be traded only on a registered commodities exchange. And that definition's a stretch also because the requirement for the commodities exchange has that 28-day future settlement in its definition as well. And then the third aspect, the FCM, the futures commodity merchant, that's the one that is because this was KYC less, they had to say that they required KYC and that they didn't register with properly and they didn't collect um, the information required pursuant to the Bank Secrecy Act. And the only way that they could say that was to say that they needed to register as this FCM. But an FCM needs to take custody over the asset. So the non-custodial aspect here is a big distinction from a normal FCM. And defining the OK DAO as an unincorporated association with its members, including everyone who ever voted their OK DAO token, creates a new precedent and it really makes no sense. Votes can be on any topic, not just whether the DAO should comply with the CEA or the CFTC rules, the Commodities Exchange Act. So penalizing someone for voting on a completely non-related topic, it's very overly broad. And this type of approach is unfair and it's going to discourage voting and participation in DAO governance, which generally should lead to better outcomes for everyone that's involved in projects if more people are voting. The risks the CFTC purports to eliminate by taking such you know noble actions as this actually be handled a lot better by self-governance mechanisms, very mechanisms they just penalized. And uh, attorney Gabriel Shapiro, he said he did a really great tweet where he said the risks the CFTC sees the FC M registration requirement as addressing, and that's why it feels justified in viewing unregistered DeFi protocols as illegal, are listed in this area. And it says basically FCMs must segregate customer assets to protect them from the risk of FCMs insolvency. They must establish safeguards to prevent conflicts of interest, and they must employ only salespeople who register with the CFTC and meet strict proficiency requirements. These things aren't concerns for the OK DAO, although the OK DAO was hacked at one point. Maybe the CFTC has a little bit of a point in, in the fact that segregating the funds, keeping the FCM or the DAO solvent, maybe there is some merit to that one since this, this platform was hacked, but you don't see very many FCMs ever getting hacked. The OK DAO's response, they're considering how they can fight back against this, this action and teams like the Lex Punk Army are gathering in 
droves to try and support them so that all DAOs don't get this classification as the unincorporated association where all holders can be penalized just for voting a contribution. They are considering doing a big NFT sale to raise funds for their legal team, but undoubtedly that will require a member vote. And now who knows if people will be brave enough to even vote on it. Hopefully at least the non-Americans can consider voting. This presents a real chilling effect in the industry. There's a number of options the DAO can consider for litigation, but whatever they choose, are people going to vote on it? And it'll be interesting to see if the CFTC action deters members from participating and, you know, on the industry as a whole, what kind of consequences this have. There are a lot of DAOs out there. Maybe more people will be flocked to states like Wyoming who have created legal ways of doing the DAO and still having that limited liability. But one developer in the Ethereum DAO space, his name's One Way Function, he said he's removed all crypto-related code he's written from GitHub, which is about seven years worth of contributions to the space, and he's no longer going to be contributing code under his real name. So any future code contributions will happen via a pseudonym. I mean, I guess pseudonyms, you know, they can be trusted too over time. But when you're dealing with a real person, there's always just a little bit higher level of trust than than when you're dealing with a pseudonym. And I think the same goes for developers. Now, one of the CFTC commissioners, she put forth a, a really well-written dissent. Uh, her name's Summer Mersinger. And Commissioner Mersinger highlighted a major problem with the unincorporated association definition because it relies on a state law doctrine that members of for-profit unincorporated associations associations are jointly and severally liable for debts of that association. There was actually no legal precedent for the CFTC to rely on to charge the OKDAO. There was no CFTC rule. There was nothing in the Commodities Exchange Act that would allow them to lay these charges. So they had to rely on private state cases. One was a breach of contract case between two private individuals in an unincorporated association. And the other was a slip and fall where someone broke their leg. You know, these are both very different because they were civil cases, not, you know, enforcement actions by the federal CFTC. And they were between private parties, not involving any commodities or any futures. And they were settled based on state and not federal laws. The cases were Carl Rove and Co. versus Thornborough, which was the breach of contract, and Shortledge versus Gutowski, which is a New Hampshire case from 1984, which is a breach of contract, and Libby versus Perry, which was a 1973 case um, from Michigan which was the slip and fall. And in that case, a plaintiff was awarded $7,500 for broken leg. As if the CFTC is relying on some slip and fall case to bring, you know, action under the Commodities Exchange Act is just bizarre to me. The big difference is that the CFTC is not merely collecting unpaid contractual debt owed by the OKDAO. It's actually imposing civil monetary penalty that only the government can impose. And that penalty came with a cease and desist order, a prohibition on future participation, and sets a precedent for all other DAOs. She said, I'm skeptical of any federal or state government agency wielding its power to sanction in this manner. Based on a legal theory from state common law contract and tort cases between private parties, nor have I seen any indication that Congress intended the CFTC to do so, rather than relying on principles 
principal agent, aiding and abetting, and control person liability provisions that are specifically set out for the CFTC in the Commodities Exchange Act. So this is regulation by enforcement. You know, clear definition of that. The CFTC made this decision without any public notice or input whatsoever. The Commodities Exchange Act doesn't have any provision that would regulate the OKDAO, so the CFTC wanted to regulate such an entity. It should have undertaken the proper steps to expand this Commodities Exchange Act through a public notice and comment period and then do a new rule and then answer questions, important questions like, how do you become a member of a DAO? You know, who will be personally liable for the DAO's decisions if it violates a law such as the Commodities Exchange Act? You know, these things might be important for members to know rather than expecting them to go look at tort cases from state law in 1973. You know, providing public comments is like it's always followed by a formal rule and an explanation of that would alert participants of the potential outcomes and consequences for their participation in DAOs. So the way it stands, the CFTC has never published anything to inform the public that based on a state contract or tort case that by vote being a voting member of the DAO, they're subject to personal liability and sanctions uh, for violating these CFTC rules. There's also a due process argument to be made. My Mike Watsowitz, the general counsel for Alliance Dow, he commented that the requirement for clarity in regulation is essential to protections provided in the due process clause of the Fifth Amendment. Now, this is a Supreme Court case, you know, a little more important case than what the CFTC was using. Um, it's from 2008, and it's United States versus Williams. And in that case, to quote it, it said, a conviction or punishment fails to comply with due process if the statute or regulation fails to provide a person of ordinary intelligence fair notice of what is prohibited and is so standardless that it authorizes or encourages serious discriminatory enforcement. I think that quote's dead on for what we have right here with the CFTC. And then, um, you know, just on the 28th of September, there was the Market Risk Advisory Committee. So Commissioner Kristen Johnson, she spoke at that committee and she praised the CFTC's work because apparently the digital asset industry has targeted vulnerable or marginalized retail investors. <laughs> I just find that so funny to think that of the crypto bros being the marginalized, you know, poor investors. They're like a bunch of degen gamblers and they're quite fine with taking on whatever risks they've taken on. Um, you know, it's the whole crowd that's coined the terms like do your own research research, don't trust, verify. And, you know, to think that the CFTC is going through such length to protect these marginalized group of people is is just a little comical to me. <laughs> a lot of people have said the CFTC should be the regulator for this digital asset industry more so than the SEC. But I kind of wonder, you know, back when people, when the CFTC had Giancarlo there, it was a whole different place. You know, he had these inspiring talks saying how, you know, finally, his friends are excited about digital asset commodities, or they, I think they were just calling them digital assets back then in 2017. But he's long gone. His advisor was and Andreas Anatonopoulos, um, you know, but it's five years since then the whole agency has turned over and the people there other than 
you know, our brilliant dissenting commissioner, it just seems to be a, a totally different environment. They c- appear to be committed to expanding their reach through outlandish means. And they're actually that whole speech that she gave at the Commissioner Johnson gave at the Market Risk Advisory Committee talked a lot about climate change and, you know, how great the Fed now program is. And they're really focused on inclusion, you know, the, all these poor unbanked people, which is like the whole mantra that the early Bitcoiners had, you know, we're going to bank the unbanked. It still hasn't really happened. But now all of a sudden the government's worried about it. And, you know, I think they just want to get that CBDC out there in cases like this. They need to be fought and the courts need to hear this. And it needs to be a fair look by a judge, not just this regulation by enforcement. The founders settled the 250000 and then they just move on and treat it like a win, even though it's never been heard in court. So I hope that some people from that OK Dow really are able to sell some NFTs and raise funds, hire Dynamite legal team and get this heard, take it all the way up to the Supreme Court and cite that case that says, you know, it's a violation of due process. Good luck. OK Dow. Thank you. Thank you.